With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Paperback Writer. Welcome to Recipe Records Radio Show. I am your host, Lena Stagg. This is your show for food and music. And I thank you for tuning in today to listen to our honored guest, Aaron Kadovich, who is this tremendous Beatles music scholar. He is going to join us in just a moment. Excuse me. I am very excited about a Beatles festival that is happening this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, in Louisville, Kentucky. It is called Abbey Road on the River, and it is full of Beatle bands, and they um, there's programs, of course, Aaron Kadovich is going to be there, and plenty of other really spectacular notables will be at the festival this year. I'm really excited that they are also having the Zombies give a performance, as well as the Rascals Felix Cavalier, I I always botch that last name. I maybe Aaron will know how to pronounce it, but I have always been a Rascals fan, a young Rascals fan, and that is going to be a terrific performance that you don't want to miss if you are planning to go to Louisville this weekend. Make sure that you check out all of the terrific programs and uh, my favorite bands, Brit Beat, All You Need Is Love. There are so many uh, great bands that are over there. You can get more information about Abbey Road on the River by going to their website, which is www.arotr.com. Hopefully I said that right. And uh, make your schedule for the weekend, they start on Thursday and they go through Monday. It's a huge event. You can go for one day and it's very reasonably priced and a lot of fun. You will not regret going. I have been for the past 10 years and every year is just full of terrific entertainment and great memories for you and your fans, your friends and your Beatle fans and loved ones. So make sure you check out the fest this weekend. 
I am very pleased to have part two of my interview with Aaron Kadovich today. He was on an episode of the radio show a few weeks ago, maybe uh, maybe a month ago, probably. And it seems like yesterday, but <laughs> if you want to tune in, if you missed that episode, I encourage you to listen to Aaron's first interview on Recipe Records. And you can find that episode by going to the search box on Blog Talk Radio and uh, search Aaron and... Um, you might have to uh, copy and paste his last name, but search his name and uh, recipe records and you'll find the episode. He was so great on the show. He is a dynamic young writer and Beatles music scholar. He has spent years studying the technical side of the Beatles music and it's fascinating his, his the analysis that he gives for the Beatles songs is really fascinating and I think you will really enjoy it Aaron has three programs at Abbey Road on the River this weekend do not miss those programs you are going to love them and we will he has a program on Friday, this Friday, May 27th, and one on Saturday and one on Sunday. So we'll give you more information on those after we get connected here. Let me be sure. Hello, Aaron. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, terrific. Thank you so much for squeezing in another interview on the show today. I know you are just crazy uh, driving all over the country giving presentations and I really really appreciate you taking the time to squeeze in another interview yeah it's my pleasure thank you very much for hosting uh, where are you calling from today I'm in Wisconsin right now okay all right so giving more programs up there and uh, uh, yeah I just wrapped up my Wisconsin portion. I had a talk in Watertown yesterday and Sun Prairie, uh, which is by Madison the day before. Um, and then this morning or this afternoon, rather, I drive home to Carmel, Indiana. And tomorrow I drive down to Louisville for Abbey Road on the River. Terrific. Hey, my son-in-law or my stepson, I, I can't keep them all straight. My stepson is moving to Carmel. So <laughs> like in another Very week. Good. So wow. uh, we'll have to, um, We'll have to um, have dinner and talk about the Beatles. So that sounds wonderful. I um, want to make sure that we tell everybody about the three programs that you're giving in Louisville this weekend. There are three very different presentations, all about the Beatles, but there are three mm -hmm. very different presentations and highly interesting. I am. I, I'm going to be sick if I can't um, get there to, to see these presentations because I really, really want to want to hear uh, hear the hear the talks. So on Friday, tell us what your program is going to be on Friday. Certainly, 
So Friday, May 27th, I'm doing The Influence of American Rock and Roll on the Beatles. And it's looking at recording artists from the 1950s and how that sets up what the Beatles do in the 1960s. So we're looking at guys like Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Buddy Holly, and, and all of these, uh, the, the immediate predecessors for the Beatles. And uh, so that's going to be at 3.30 uh, in the afternoon, 3.30 to 4.45 p.m. at the Muhammad Ali Center uh, at Abbey Road on the River. And um, Louisville is on Eastern time, so if you're planning to be over there, make sure mm-hmm. that you acknowledge that there is a time difference. <clears throat> but 3.30 to 4.45 in the Muhammad Ali Center on Friday. And the... Muhammad Ali Center is a fantastic venue, and I love the um, uh, theater, I guess, where you will be giving your presentation. It's fantastic. So you're, you're going to really enjoy that. This is one topic that always intrigues me because I don't think, especially <laughs> – the the younger generation doesn't realize that the the British they you know they don't really realize the British invasion at all anyway but the the British musicians in the 60s were imitating American music and you know putting their flavor and spin into the music and just putting it back putting it back in our face. <laughs> so I always find that is a very interesting um, phenomenon that happened. But the Beatles were highly, I, I, I'm not sure that they were influenced by many be, uh, British artists, were they? Uh, well, certainly more American artists than British artists. But uh, I do talk about one, uh, Lonnie Donegan in this program. He's kind of the he's the exception. I, I call it the influence of American rock and roll. But Donegan is is English, not American, and he pioneered the genre skiffle rather than rock right. and roll. So he's he's kind of the odd man out, but he's still a major influence from the, the the prior decade on the Beatles, and that's why I include him, even though he's the odd man out. Right, right. So. Which I, I, you know, I know they were influenced by country and western, blues, mm-hmm. um, rockabilly. Is there one genre that um, influenced them more than the others? Well, I'm not sure there's any any one subgenre of rock and roll that's more influential. I've, I've, so rock and roll is kind of a, a general term. There are a lot of divisions within that. Um, so, so you know, rockabilly is one, um, but I, I'm not sure any one of them is any more influential overall. Now, there are some who are more influential on specific individual Beatles. For example, Carl Perkins is mostly influential on George Harrison. Now, of course, Perkins was influential on all four of them, but if you had to pick one Beatle who was most influenced by Carl Perkins, it would have to be George Harrison. Uh, because Perkins' mm-hmm. strength as a musician was as a rockabilly guitarist. I mean, he pioneered the genre of rockabilly. And George Harrison, being the Beatles' lead guitarist then, 
makes sense why he would take after uh, Perkins' example. So short answer is no, I don't, I don't think you can specify any one particular genre or division of, of rock and roll as being most influential on the Beatles as a whole. But I do think it's accurate to say that there are that, that each of the four Beatles have their own uh, ha, have a, a subgenre of rock and roll that is most influential on them individually. I see. Okay, so tell the the listeners what they're going to um, hear at your presentation over this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, the the structure of the presentation is that we count down the top nine influences on the band from the prior decade. So we start with the you know the ninth most influential, and then the eighth, seventh, down to number one. And so what I do is uh, set up, you know, I'll, I'll play something by a recording artist from the 1950s, and then I'll play something by the Beatles. And the side-by-side comparison illustrates how similar this music really is. And one of the standard questions I get every time I do this program is the question, is the notion of uh, plagiarism. And they, they say, you know, this is so similar. Did the Beatles ever get sued for plagiarism? And the answer is, yeah, they did. Uh, John Lennon famously was sued by Chuck Berry's estate uh, for the use of Here Come Old Flat Top, He Come Grooving Up Slowly, the opening line from Come Together, is very nearly word for word from a Chuck Berry song. And I'm blanking on which title. Let me look at my notes. Uh, you Can't Catch Me. Uh, and You Can't Catch Me, Chuck Berry sings something like Here Come A Flat Top, He Come Moving Up Slowly. So it's not 100% the same, but it's very, very similar. And Chuck Berry's estate sued John Lennon on, on grounds of plagiarism, and Lennon was convicted. So there, there are examples uh, of that. But far more often than not, the, the Beals are not sued for their, quote-unquote, plagiarism. And there's no real definition. There's no clear defining line between what constitutes inspiration versus what constitutes stealing. And I just found a quote the other day from Paul McCartney. He said, uh, he, he in turn was quoting, uh, I think it was Stravinsky, Igor Stravinsky, the, the orchestral composer, Russian orchestral composer, who said, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And so Paul was hmm. referencing that quote, and he said, if that's true, if good artists borrow and great artists steal, then the Beatles have to be the greatest artists of all time because we stole everything. And Paul didn't <laughs> that they didn't steal everything. But his point is taken. I mean, they, they borrowed very heavily from uh, artists like Carl Perkins and Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly and Chuck Berry. So that's what I do in this program. I set up that side-by-side comparison. I say, you know, here, here is Berry's You Can't Catch Me. Here is the Beatles Come Together. And, and playing them back-to-back like that makes it very clear that the Beatles were basing their music on these precedents. Very interesting. Well, isn't there a saying that imitation is the highest form of um, oh, yes. com- complimentary flattery? There we go. So, you know, uh, you do hear the influences in the music, and I like that. <laughs> I, mm. I think it's great to hear hear the influences of other artists. Uh, whenever I listen to some of my daughter's music today... I mean, there are some outright um, parts of songs that are stolen. And, Uh you know, I'll sit there and say, that's not 
that's not real. That's a Marvin Gaye song, you know, or or, right. or whatever. And you know, of course, she doesn't know anything about Marvin Gaye. But right. I, um, you know, it it does allow the listener to to kind of reflect upon previous music. But yeah. okay, that sounds fascinating. I want to be there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's one of my favorite okay. presentations again. Love it, love it, love it. On Saturday, May 28th, mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock a.m. until 12.15 p.m., you will be in the Muhammad Ali Center again for Carte Blanche, the Beatles' White Album presentation. So give us the rundown on this program. Certainly. Yeah, I'm, I was uh, told when, when I was selecting which programs to book, at, uh, at this weekend's festival, I was told that one of the bands, the cover bands, is performing the White Album in its entirety. And unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the band. I'm sure you could find it on the Abbey Road uh, website. But in any case, so um, it was suggested that I do a program on the White Album to set up that live performance of the entire album. And it uh, turns out I have um, a program that I've done many times on the White Album. And in some cases... Uh, my, the structure of my programs for Sgt. Pepper, for example, and A Hard Day's Night go track by track. We, you know, we, we look at it, uh, look at every, well, on Pepper we go in the order that we hear it on the album. So start with the title track, then go to With a Little Help from My Friend, then Lucy in the Sky, exactly the order that we hear it on the album. With the White Album, however, it is so long and so diverse that a structure like that doesn't really work. Because you know, there's 30 tracks, and they're all um, very varied, very different from, from one another. So what I do instead right. on this, rather than go track by track that we hear it on the, on the album, is to divide it into the primary author. There's a quote from John Lennon. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine once asked him, when did the Beatles actually break up? And John cited the White Album because, in his own words, every track was an individual track. There wasn't any Beatle music on it. It was John in the band, Paul in the band, George in the band. So using that quote as my starting point, I divide up the 30 tracks of the White Album uh, into the primary author uh, of them. So we look Uh at Paul's songs, we look at George's songs, we look at John's songs, and we look at Ringo. And that that helps wrap your head around how uh, diverse this music is. I mean, if we look at, at the author... Uh, rather than that track-by-track track structure, if we if we structure it by author, uh, that helps display that that helps comprehend the the music. So then, within that structure, within that primary author structure, then we can break it down into songs. For example, one of the categories, one of the subcategories, is songs about India. Uh, one of John's subcategories are found lyrics. Another one are songs about Yoko. So. You divide them up into the primary author and then further divide them up into categories. And that way you can make sense of this very large uh, and very diverse uh, body of work. Very, very interesting. I know I had done some reading um, recently about how most of that album was written when they were in India studying. Most of it, yeah. um, meditation and such with the Maharishi. And mm-hmm. I know that had a lot of influence over what they 
what they um, produced. Very much so. Um, I always felt like a lot of the songs were kind of disjointed, like you say. They just sort of all got put on there. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you, you did hear a lot of the early influence um, on on several of their songs, you know, more simplistic songs. Um, you know, there's a, several of them are are kind of simple and short. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah, they're they're kind of fragmentary, which is is no doubt deliberate because they had just uh, the year prior done Sergeant Pepper, which is is you know the, as a concept album, it's one idea that unifies the entire uh, album. All the tracks fall under that umbrella structure. And with the White Album, they want to do the complete opposite. And so they put out uh, um, you know, this extremely diverse, often very simple um, and, and fragmentary album. That, and it would be very difficult to try and cram all of these different songs under one idea, one notion, one concept, the way they did with Sgt. Pepper. So they're consciously, they're deliberately uh, uh, creating an album that is the antithesis in many ways of Pepper. Very cool. I did look up on the Abbey Road on the River website, and mm-hmm. I think yeah. I found the band. Uh, the band's name is 64. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the um, right one? I, probably, yeah. I'm, I just don't remember. Um, uh, 64, they are playing Friday evening at 10 p.m. to 11.30 p.m., and they are going to give the White Album concert in the main plaza of the Ollie Center. So that'll be really great. I don't know that I've heard that band. You know, they have like a hundred bands. But um, another side um, celebrity that is going to be at Abbey Road this weekend that kind of ties in with the White Album is Prudence Farrow. And she uh, is Mia Farrow's sister who was doing meditation at um, with the Maharishi and Rishikesh um, at the same time. So she is going to be at the festival as well this weekend, and I'm pretty sure on Sunday morning she is going to be, you can meet her, and there's supposed to be some uh, yoga and meditation given by her, but I don't see that right now. But... Um, very, very interesting and very cool. And I, I, people that are going to be at, at this festival are going to really, really enjoy your presentation. So uh, um, encourage everybody to get it on your calendar to attend this weekend. So, okay, that is on Saturday, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. to 12.15, the White Album. Then on Sunday, 12.30 to 1.30, same place is the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, the 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 rock and roll fans' constant argument, which was better, the yep. Beatles or the Stones. <laughs> I mean, I've heard that since I was a little girl. And yep. so, tell us what your presentation will will entail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in in this case. Um, the the two bands, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, shared a lot of similarities in terms of the overall scope 
and progression of their careers. For example, both bands start out uh, in, in, in similar ways. They're both inspired by American uh, popular music, blues and R&B and rock and roll. And then they enter uh, a juvenilia period, this uh, period where they achieve superstardom uh, in both sides of the Atlantic, both the U.S. and the U.K., then they enter an adolescent period of sorts where they, they grow up a little bit. They mature from that uh, teeny bopper superstar status and, and grow into the foremost artists of their time. Both bands then enter a psychedelic period and end their careers in the 1960s, at least. The Stones, of course, continue to be didn't, But they end, end that decade by uh, in, in a retrospective um, style. They, they return to roots. They go back to basics uh, to, uh, as a way of moving forward. So both bands have, have very similar large-scale scopes and progressions uh, throughout that decade, throughout the 1960s. That being said, for all those large-scale similarities, there are a great many small-scale differences. So looking within that large framework, the Stones and the Beatles are often opposite of one another. The Stones are fashioned as this kind of anti-Beatles. The Beatles have a, a certain degree of polish where the Stones are much more raw and gritty uh, in, in a kind of proto-grunge type of way. So this entire right. program, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, is looking at that uh, relationship, these large-scale similarities, while simultaneously observing these small-scale differences. Very, very interesting. You know, whenever I listen to their, you know, the Stones um, music, you know, I'm I'm knowing they're born of the same substance as the Beatles, but mm -hmm. there is something, you know, like you say, raw, gritty, dirty, that, that seems to be around, you know, part of their music, their sound. Mm -hmm. And so it is very, um, very interesting to hear you break it all down and describe it accurately <laughs> because mm -hmm. I don't always uh, describe things properly. So it will be completely entertaining to hear your analysis of these two bands and I can't think of a better place for you to be giving your presentations than Abbey Road on the River. I truly can't. And I am not a paid endorser by any means. <laughs> I, um, I've just been going to this festival for years and enjoying the many um, presentations, authors that are there. And, you know, last year Anthony Robustelli was there and um, his um, – he he has a book out about um I think he breaks down the first Beatles album. But yeah, I uh, okay. I know that uh you have several books as well and your books will be available at the at your programs and you will yeah. also have a table within the Ali Center, I think. Yes, and, it'll be somewhere in the, the Ali Center. I think she said the lobby, but uh, I'll find out okay. when I get there. I think that's where they were last year, and mm -hmm. um, it, it's a really good high-traffic area. And sure. so if you are, are there, I encourage you to stop by and say hi to Aaron. Let him know you heard him on Recipe Records radio show. 
Um, and uh, take in his books. His books are fascinating. I do have one of your books, and I am very famous for starting books, <laughs> but not finishing books. And okay. the book I I um, was working on of yours was, um, I think it's called The Beatles and the Avant-Garde. Yep, that was my first one. Okay. And just as a, a quick browse through, I quit the one question that, and I didn't read the book all the way through. I'm, I apologize mm-hmm. for that up front. But, you know, I saw there were chapters where you discuss John, Paul, and George right. in the avant-garde, but I did not see a chapter on Ringo. Mm-hmm. I had thought about uh, adding one in, in one of Mark Lewison's books. I think it's the recording session book. He talks about Ringo um, recording in 1967 an experimental drum track. And so I, I, that intrigued me. I mean, that was the first. I had never heard of that outside of, of Lewison's book. So I actually emailed Mark Lewison to see if he had any more information or if I could somehow listen to that and see, you know, what, what exactly is he doing? Uh, on what, what does experimental mean? I mean, that can mean just about anything. Anyway, so um, right. um, Lewison wrote, wrote back and said, uh, you know, you you have to understand. This was 20 years ago that I did this research, and I don't remember, you know, what it what it was or anything. And he said, I I wouldn't, however, give it much, uh, too very much you know, thought or or um, space in the book because um, I mean, well, he, he was implying that it, it wasn't a very substantial uh, thing. I mean, maybe it was a failed experiment. Uh, that always okay. happens when you don't know what's going to happen. You you run you run the risk of of of, it, of the experiment not turning out the way you, you had hoped. So to this day, I have no idea what that experimental drum track was, what it sounded like. I, I have no idea. I've, I've never heard it or anything like that. So anyway, I, I did, um, I, I considered trying to add something for Ringo, but I just didn't have enough material to justify creating uh, another chapter for him. Now, that being said, I do have an interlude about George Harrison that is quite short. Uh, George made an a experimental album uh, called Electronic Sound in, uh, what was it, 68, 69, I forget the year. It's in the book. But um, so mm-hmm. he, he, he actually followed through with that idea in a way that Ringo didn't with his idea. And, and, and so that's why I include something with George, even though it's very brief. I think the, the George section is only, only three pages long, which is why I call it an interlude rather than a full chapter. The Lennon chapter is, is like 50 pages long or something like that. So right. anyway, that, that's the short answer. It's just there, there, there wasn't a whole lot of material to, to talk about with Ringo uh, in this context. Now, it just so happens sure. that one of my programs is looking at Ringo and celebrating his contributions to the Beatles, which are substantial, contrary to what many Beatles fans think. Uh, right. And I do hope to eventually turn that into a book, and, you know, an entire book analyzing his drumming and celebrating uh, his substantial contributions to the Beatles. That being said, for that, for that book, The Beatles and the Avant-Garde in, in particular, specifically, there just isn't a whole lot to talk about with Ringo, and that's why he's virtually <laughs> absent from the whole thing. I see. I see. Well, so it's our, not just our, Ringo. I, I love Ringo, and I'm, I'm working on I know. stuff with him, but for that book... <laughs> There wasn't much to talk about. Right. Well, our um, the pub we share the same publicist, and uh, Nicole will be very happy to hear that you 
are planning to perhaps publish a book on Ringo. <laughs> yes, indeed. In fact, I'm doing that program in uh, Kendallville, Indiana, which is is north of Fort Wayne, very rather close to Michigan, where Nicole lives. So she said at awesome. one point that she wanted to come down so she could hear hear my Ringo program. Awesome, awesome. Okay, well, we're running out of time, but I want to make sure mm-hmm. that uh, the listeners know they can find you at your website, and it's AaronKadovich.com. That's A R O N K R E R O W I C Z dot com. But it's probably faster, and I think I mentioned this the last time I was on your show. It's probably faster just to Google Aaron A A R O N Beatles Scholar, and uh, that'll be much easier than trying to spell my Wookie last name. Excellent, excellent. I on your on your website you can. Sign up to receive your newsletter, which is fascinating. Yeah. I love to receive your newsletter. And okay. it also has your schedule, which is all over mm-hmm. the country. And yes. you can um, – I encourage the listeners to find out if Aaron is going to be near you or if you have a venue near you that would be a perfect fit for Aaron to give a program, get in, you can get in touch with Aaron as well and invite him. So I encourage you to do that as well. You can also find Aaron's books, and he has many, and they are all fantastic, fascinating books. They are also on Amazon, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And another uh, little little side project that you do um, on your website. It's called The Beatles Minute, and Mm -hmm. I freaking love The Beatles Minute. I become a Beatles um, expert by after one minute of, of watching your your uh, or listening to your Beatles Minute. So I encourage everybody to check out Aaron's Beatles Minute. Um, very good work, very, very good work, and looking forward to seeing your presentations this weekend, Aaron. And also I encourage you to check out our previous interview on Recipe Records, the radio show. He was on our show about five or six weeks ago. And is um, there anything I am forgetting? You have a blog that you also uh, update mm-hmm. yeah, the, on your the website? Day before every program I give, I, I post a blog advertising that program. And I usually supplement it with whatever it is I happen to be working on at the time. So right now I'm working on uh, on a book analyzing structure in Beatles music. So a lot of my, my current blogs are looking at, you know, how, how do the Beatles use structure? How do they use verses and choruses or solos, that kind of thing. Uh, but the, the subjects uh, vary greatly from, from one post to the next. Okay. Very interesting. I started reading a book recently, another book, uh-huh. and um, it, you would your mind would be boggled if you could see all the books that I've started reading. Um, yeah. It is by Jeff Emmerich. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the title of it, but he You're was. Is that it? You are so right. A. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's um, it is magical. I'm I'm only about 60 or 70 pages into it, but I, um, you know, just it, it's 
very interesting and, and you feel like you're right there experiencing the whole process that the Beatles went through when they were in the recording studio. And um, that that is just a, a really interesting thing to me, even though I'm I'm very unmusical. I appreciate the the work and appreciate what what we're hearing. So I really thank you very much for being on the show today, Aaron. And thank you for looking forward to, looking forward to seeing you this weekend somehow some way. And um probably meet you in Carmel. Very good. Okay. Well, have safe travels, and um, my best to your wife as well and your dog. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. All right. Take care, Aaron. That will do it for today. Recipe Records is food for thought, food for the soul, hey, food the for the love of rock and roll. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.